I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby dooby dooby doo wop. Pastor and Laura wake up. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Is that really all the energy? I, I'm trying. I, really I asked am. if you were ready, and that's what I'm you, ready. Okay. I'm ready. Good morning, okay. podcast people. All right, we are doing our morning Bible study. It's the Colanders, Pastor Colander and Laura Colander. Um, we are doing our chapter a day. We are on chapter 12 of the book of Acts. And reading at the NIV 84, as usual. So if you're following along, you can get out your Bible or get out your app. And um, if the words are slightly different, that's okay. Or if you have any questions as you're following along, as always, don't forget you can always email or call pastor, um, pastor at thespringslutheran.org. And uh, if you have any questions about maybe differences in phrasing from the translations, or if you have questions about anything that we've said or read in our daily look at the Bible. All right, should we get started? Yeah, that'd be great. Chapter 12, Peter's Miraculous Escape from Prison. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. He saw that this pleased the Jews. He proceeded, or I'm sorry, when he saw this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night, before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Sorry, that's the, I have to stop there. Why, why, why did the angel hit him? I don't think it's <laughs> like he punched him and then these things came off. It said he struck him on the side. Uh, like, didn't he just have said, wake up? He just, this is the first angel striking someone that I remember. <laughs> what do uh, you have over I, here in the Greek? It's from the verb patasso. Meaning, um, uh, physically strike or blow, uh, either a light blow or push of something, or it can be a heavy blow. So it could so, be nudge, or it could be yeah, like backhand or something. Yeah, like. I would say it's he's waking Peter up, so he's pushing him on the side. Struck, struck him on so the side. So the light didn't wake him up. And so he decides to hit him. It's just sort of like... It's interesting because... Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, if... If... Well, no. Someone's sleeping, you go, hey, hit him and wake him up. 
they're not gonna punch him in the face they're what, gonna go would hey, you say hey. hit him i don't know it's just odd to me but uh there were have we we have read other prison stories right or have we not yet about people being let out of prison by angels uh just the the jailer at philippi we read that one already yeah okay. the earth but that oh, was wait, we earthquake. were reading mark we read or no that wasn't mark. no Never that's mind. acts chapter nine i think Wow. I'm confused already. That's but the great earthquake anyway, that happens, and people, then they come out. People are uh, going to get let out of jail several times. And I just don't remember any of them getting hit, so that just kind of was funny to me. But yeah, as long as we're stopped, we well, there's can talk a about spectrum else. of force. I know, and there's a spectrum of angel interactions. I just think it's interesting. Maybe he was a deep sleeper and bright lights didn't wake him up. Yes, but I don't want people to have the mental image of just angels slapping people to wake them up or worse. You know, that's not... That's what popped into my head, which is why I'm clarifying that. That's a silly thought, but... It's my thought. Yeah. So, hmm. Well, I'm not (laughs) saying... I'm saying it's just a silly mental picture for me in my head. <laughs> I'm not saying it's something that's ridiculous. I completely understand how someone would get says, to the point. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. And then, well, we'll keep reading, but do you... Did the jailers wake up? He's sleeping between two it doesn't, guards. It seems so at the moment as we go through. I'm not going to spoil it but no it seems that he wakes up peter rather than shouting at him i mean there is a bright light so i don't know how the jailers were sleeping but there's 16 guards Mm -hmm. and chains and locks and it was pretty obvious they were going to kill him well we'll come out we'll we'll read the rest in a second but um do you want to talk about the timeline here? I know we briefly said a few things before we started recording when this takes place or any of the yeah. theories about it. Just real quick. Don't go too many no. tangents. No. Well, first of all, when we're talking about James here, we're talking about James, the brother of John. So these are the sons of Zebedee. Uh, this James is also known as James the Elder. And then James the brother of Jesus is known as James the Lesser. So he is the one that had been persecuted or killed here. And this is around 44 AD. Yeah, my note says it takes place about 10 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Yeah, so, because Herod dies in... 44 this Herod and or 45 44 um, yeah it was 44 so somewhere around that timeline and some people jump around a little bit with whether or not this is chronological that as Luke is walking through this it's a chronological event of this happened and this happened and this happened or 
if we're kind of jumping out of order and talking about the persecutions and then we're going to come back to talk about other yeah, events. Yeah, like the, the note in our my self-study Bible here says that this could be possibly just a bunch of events related to Herod that are grouped together. This is like a summary of some things that Herod did. Possibly could be a little out of order by a year or two, but it doesn't make a huge difference. It's just if you're trying to make a historical timeline, um, there's maybe two ways you could do it, but it's not. it doesn't affect the main message, which is the people are being persecuted. No, and if you're telling a story about someone and then all of a sudden you bring up persecutions and they're not a main character i know i go off on tangents a lot so i would probably yeah i would probably (laughs) explain multiple things they did in that same you know general area of persecuting people while they're alive and then come back with the story that we're actually telling well this is why i really like my self-study bible the concordia self-study bible there's a lot of little notes it's sort of like reading a commentary but um a bridge so you don't have to read a whole commentary about you know each book but if you want to if you read something that confused you you read this little explanation at the bottom and if you want to dig in more to the history here um it cites some other um verses to read about the events that are happening and how they line up with things in Matthew and Galatians, um, elsewhere in Luke and um, what other book did they mention here? Oh, other places in Acts. So it's just kind of interesting. So if you don't have a pastor with you all the time, you can use your self-study Bible to answer a few of your minor questions or or come up with more questions. So. Well, I know... I went to a Lutheran high school, and so did you, and at my high school, they required us to have this for all of our, uh, well, we called them Bible classes back then, but they were theology classes that we had to take all of the years that we were there, and then at college, uh, you and I went to the same college for pastor and teacher training in the Lutheran church, and we also made large use of this bible while we were there because mm-hmm. it's hard to hold all that knowledge in your mind and it's nice to check on things and you're always going to have questions so to have a small resource just a little kind of gloss of what to look at and then if you need more mm-hmm. research you can always look in other places but at least it's something to kind of give you a little morsel of knowledge Mm-hmm. Yep. I wonder if this is still in print, if they're doing the Concordia Self-Study Bible with the 2011 NIV. They are. They are? Okay. Well, then go out and get one, and then you can follow along with us. Yeah, we're going to call them (laughs) Zondervan and see if they're going to sponsor this podcast. But they're about uh, $40 for the hardcover, and the leather bound is, I believe, (laughs) $49.99. I'm not kidding. I looked I, them up recently for uh, okay. my confirmation students, well, actually. Yeah. But it is a really good investment. I mean, you could spend $40, $50 on a lot of things, and this is something. I mean, I we bought, like, what? you I had to get mine in fifth grade for your catechism, mm-hmm. and I've had it my whole life. I mean, it's been, it's yeah. been 
Good book. Anyway. Yeah, you still have all your notes in there. Well, yeah, that's that's the other thing is if you get a good book, there's, you know, there's margins. There's a lot of notes. You write stuff in it and keep it, and every time you read, you'll see a note you wrote, and, oh, yeah, this is what my pastor told me in grade school. This is what my high school professors told me. This is what my college professors told me. Or I took, I can tell by my handwriting the notes I took when I was living in Milwaukee and the notes mm-hmm. I took when I you know, went to teacher's conference and now I'm writing yeah. down some things as we go through it. So it's just kind of like a growing, you know, book full of notes with background and mm-hmm. different insights. So what, one what, more thing on what, that. One more thing. One more we thing. We gotta get going. I know, but <laughs> I was just talking to someone about this, that for whatever reason, we came from like a Northern United States Lutheran tradition and for whatever reason, we don't carry around our Bibles when we go to church. Many of the southern states, especially the Baptist church, this is a stereotype generalization, but they oftentimes, every time they're going to a conference, every time they're going to church, they're bringing their own Bibles so they can take notes of them. Mm-hmm. So if that's something you enjoy doing, because I've had a number of people um, in our congregation that come from those traditions but they feel weird because they're the only one doing it. Bring your Bible to church. You can no. follow along. No, I'm going to bring my Bible to church. You can? I Usually I just have so much other stuff with me. Well, it's tough with children to and have. And there's, well, yeah, because it's all printed out in the bulletin, which is very good and helpful for people who don't have a Bible. And especially with COVID now, we're not supposed to be, you know, touching the Bibles and sharing them, they would have all had to have been sanitized. So anyway, everything's printed out, so then you kind of say to yourself, well, I don't need my Bible, because mm-hmm. I'll just read it. But then, yeah, you do lose out on writing those notes. But, yeah, let's all start bringing our Bibles. There's plenty of things in the text that pastors don't touch on, sure. and questions that they don't answer in text. Well, you read three sections, and then you only talk about one. Yeah. So there's lots to think about. There's only about. so much to cover, and... 10 to 20 minutes. So. Speaking of which, we should continue with our chair. Oh, yeah. Okay. Enough about promoting Zondervan. Oh, where were we? After the Peter got struck by the angel. Touched by an angel. Chapter 8, or chapter 12, verse 8. All right, so he had just said, I'll read, I'll read the last part of 7. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. Verse 8. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself, and they went through it. When they walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting it was so, they said, it must be his angel. Um, 
this is just sort of a funny section to me. I'm like having a hard time reading it mm-hmm. without laughing because I picture it in my head. It's a really funny like situation. It is a funny situation. He first he hits him, then he's like guiding him step by step how to get dressed. <laughs> like, like I felt like it was me talking to a toddler. Like put on your clothes. Don't forget your cloak and your sandals, and then like walks him out. Well, and it's, it's just kind of funny to me. It's kind of in this. I mean, we don't know how this actually happened. But well, we do. The, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. I'm, but I, we don't know the experience of the guards at this point. Oh, sure. I mean, when, when the Apostle Paul sees the vision of heaven, the people hear the noise, but they don't see the vision at that time. Mm-hmm. So what they're experiencing. So, and Peter kind of thinks it's a dream. He's like half awake. He's yeah. not fully awake. Right. She got hit again. Which, yeah, so you wake <laughs> up your kid, you know, and they're like, mm, you're like, okay, put on your shoes. You know, and they're like half falling asleep during it. That's how I picture it. Yeah, that's funny to me. And then... And then the door scene is hilarious. Yeah. She comes to the door, and he's probably, like, kind of, you know, scared of getting caught again. Maybe yeah. talking quietly. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, it's me. It's Peter. And then she just runs away from the door and goes to talk to people. So he's just standing outside the door, yeah. waiting for, like, thinking he's going to get this warm welcome and be yeah, you wonder safe. if the angels to there's like, what was that? <laughs> like, open this door. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, that's cool. The chains fell off of him. The door opened by itself. All these, like, miraculous things happen. And then he's kind of just, like, abandoned in the middle of the city where he's, you know, yeah, about the one to door that they would have opened happily for him at any point is the one that he's stuck behind and then so then i do have a note here underlined from probably my uh youth i can see i used a pink gel pen so this is Mm. (laughs) an older note but when jellies when she said it must be his angel um and then there's a note here that reflects the belief that everyone had a personal angel who ministers to him um Meaning like a guardian angel or something. Mm-hmm. And adding the idea that such an angel occasionally showed himself in, a, in appearance and resembled the person under his care. So, and so even, you know, we've got this group of Christians who knows, you know, everything Jesus taught them. and But there's still this kind of like maybe superstition that, you know, why why would they think... You know, and then this kind of goes back just a little bit. Don't want to get you off on too many tangents, but when Peter sees Jesus walking across the lake and they say it must be his ghost, mm-hmm. you know, they're kind of like, they have these super, like the Jewish people must have I had this belief that you could see someone without it actually being them, their ghost or their angel or something like, oh, it's not really him, you're just seeing an angel. Like that, a common well, I mean, belief for that. There's kind them. of a precedent for that in the Old Testament. The witch at Endor, when uh, Saul goes to consult Samuel, he sees the ghost of, or the ghost of the spirit of Samuel at that time. And there, there are a number of things in the Bible that the Bible doesn't say a lot about, which. When the Bible doesn't say a lot about something that's interesting, people love to talk about it a lot. Mm-hmm. And angels are one of those things that mm-hmm. they are fascinating. How they appear, what they do, and we just don't have a lot of uh, 
facts about what they actually are, you know, what day of creation they were made, uh, when the fall actually happened, you know, the names of them, the rankings of them. But Luke, I believe in Luke chapter 10, when he's talking about children's and their angel or angels, there, there is kind of this idea of a guardian angel or angels assigned to a certain person. But as far as their form goes, at least it I, do not, I like do not know yeah, Maybe what angels <laughs> actually look like well, they don't and look take like, on the appearance of a person. They look different all sorts of times in the Bible. You know, sometimes they have whatever six wings and this sort of thing and then sometimes they look like appeared like a man dressed in white you know yeah so we don't know exactly what they would look like or what their faces would look like because they're not physical entities right where i'd get confused by this is is if someone would take this to mean like it's like the cartoons you know when you you know tom dies and then all of a sudden his angel comes out of his body and it looks exactly like him, mm-hmm. like Tom and Jerry, you know, Yeah. just know. in case you didn't know what Tom I was, I was talking at about. At first I thought it was an arbitrary Tom, but then I assumed no. you were talking yeah. about the cat. Right. So, <laughs> but, so she might have thought, okay, they killed Peter, and then this is his spirit in some way, and pe- saying that people turn into angels, but that is not the case. When we go to heaven, angels are still ministering spirits sent to serve us, so you'll be better than an angel in heaven, and it's just interesting we just, we just how don't he know. says... It must be his angel. Like, there's no way it's real. It must be this thing that nobody's ever really seen or confirmed is, is like, <laughs> looks like them. You know, I don't know. It's just kind of funny to me. I don't know why I'm, I'm just finding this whole section humorous. Anyway, let's keep pushing. Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands for them to be quiet and described how... The Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the brothers about this, he said, and then he left for another place. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had made, or after Herod had a thorough search made for him, did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. So, don't want to talk too much more about this section. Um, just that he, he wasn't actually really going there for refuge. He just wanted to tell them he was okay. He got out, he was miraculously saved, and then he, he goes and hides somewhere else. He probably knew that would be a place they'd be looking for him. And, and if Herod's going to kill the guards that were guarding him, how do you think he would treat the people that were harboring the fugitives? Yeah, anyone who's an alias, right, so... Well, that was common at the time if a soldier was um, not doing his duty or fell asleep on duty or something, they would be punished. And, you know, even Jesus, guards who were at Jesus' tomb were concerned about that, that mm-hmm. they would be put to death. And, um, and yeah. they'd be bribed in order they, to... They can't, can't do right. that. You can't let prisoners out of jail. So. Let's have Herod die here. All right. Last section of chapter 12, Herod's death. Starting in the middle of 19. 
Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there a while. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre, Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. Having secured the support of, the, of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the grace of God continued to increase and spread. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. That's the end. Mm-hmm. Mm. So... Not funny end to the to the book. No. Killed and eaten by worms. No, I'm. I mean, Herod was a strong persecutor of them, but unfortunately, this is just the beginning of the persecutions that are going to take place for them. They're going to have twenty years or so of somewhat peace. But then it's going to get a lot worse in the middle of the 60s. And this is the same Herod? Or wait, where are we with Herod's here? Yeah, this is the Herod that Jesus was sent to by Pilate that wanted to see Jesus do a magic trick. Perform some and he's signs the nephew of, Her- of the... Herod the Great. No, of the, it says of Herod Antipas who beheaded John the Baptist. No, this is yeah. It says he was the nephew of Herod Antipas who beheaded John the Baptist and had tried Jesus. Oh, never mind. This is Herod Agrippa. I and apologize. He's, he's the grandson of Herod the Great, who, um, is the one who had the children in Bethlehem yeah, killed. Yeah. Yeah. So, Herod the Great, then Herod Antip- Antipas, and then Herod Agrippa the First. So that's this is that Herod, and yeah, when he did not give praise to God, an angel struck him down. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. This kind of ends the first section of Acts. So the first section of Acts really talks mostly about the disciples and their experience afterwards. And then starting in 13, we're going to make a transition to really talking about the Apostle Paul and his journeys and his life. So Acts is really in two pretty clear sections and the death of Herod here is the the kind of marker that so things have changed. So it doesn't really say who took over next, but we, I guess, would have to assume that it would be someone who was nicer. Because it says the word of God continued to increase and spread. Or I would have to we'll look, look into, into that. that. I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe we'll come up tomorrow as we read about Paul and, or I'm sorry, still says Saul. Barnabas and Saul sent off, so we'll see what 
with the next yeah, ruler it makes does it easier seem... or more difficult for Christians. Know that we're going to talk about the Christians being in Jerusalem, there being a Jerusalem council, which is some sort of organization that's there. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I have to look into who takes over after that. All right, well, that was a good good chance to learn about angels and talk a little bit about Herod some more. So. I think we learned we have a lot of questions about angels. I don't know if that's... I learned that they hit people. It's <laughs> a good takeaway for today. <laughs> All right. Enjoy meditating on that thought until tomorrow. <laughs> Again, if you have any questions um, about this section or about um, anything we've read so far in Acts, don't hesitate to reach out to Pastor, email questions, and uh, happy to try to answer those for you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up.